This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. Of course, the point of the show is for you to call in and talk about whatever it is that's interesting to you. Absent that, we will talk about what's interesting to us. And the us tonight would include me, Ian. And Julia. And Mark. And you, if you make the call at 800-259-9231. You can join us, by the way, online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, right into your phone calls. We go to Alex in Wisconsin. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I'm fairly new to the whole concept of the free market, and I've gradually been understanding more and more, but one thing that I've particularly had trouble with, and I thought I'd call and see if you guys could help clarify and help me understand it more, is the idea of how, I don't know if justice is the right word, but how a penalty-type system would work for something like, um, say, someone commits murder. It's an excellent question. I understand the concept of restitution if someone steals, and that, to me, is more straightforward, but something like murder doesn't seem like it has such a simple answer. No, it certainly does not. Uh, obviously, putting a price tag on somebody's life would be a, a very difficult thing to do. Uh, certainly, you could argue that no price would be high enough. However, that's generally how it's been done in the history of man. What do you mean? The, well, there's been a price. You know, essentially, people were, uh, for one, it's called Wehrgeld, was the German system. But, you know, at some point or another you had to support either the uh, the family or you had to compensate in some way if you killed somebody even accidentally um it would i think that the, i don't know i mean it would seem to me that you would penalize someone for murdering someone as opposed to negligently killing them but i would think so and well today though the compensation is not virtually non-existent in most murder cases yeah. um the the victim is dead, and the family of the victim and the uh, the loved ones of the victim are they have to go without. In fact, not only do they have to go without any form of compensation from the actual killer. I mean, and by the way, we're also presuming the crime has been solved here. We also should point out that the police, as I'm sure they do their best, I, I'm sure they really do their best to try to solve crimes like that. Uh, the reality, of, of course, is that I think it's something like 80% of murders go unsolved, something like that. It's it's shockingly high. Uh, so presuming that they have got the right guy and presuming they go through the trial and he is found guilty, then he sits and rots in a prison cell and nothing is ever done to make the individuals who are the victims, the tangential victims to the situation, uh, as whole as they possibly can be. Will they ever be completely whole? No way. The loved one, that the person they loved, was, was uh, taken away from them. Uh, but at least they could receive some sort of compensation, should that be something they want, uh, which they currently don't get at all. That is not even an option on the table in the current governmental justice system. And many of the things that we talk about uh, in improving the justice system, a lot of the things can be done within the current governmental structure. Yeah. So, you right. know, that's, you, that's sort of where I come from on this one. As I, I don't think people are prepared uh, you know, today to take an entire new look at the um, you know, judicial system. It's one of the... It, it's the longest, uh, historically longest running thing that we have in America. Um, our our system's very similar to the common law systems that came up about a thousand years ago. So, I mean, it's just sort of evolved. And I don't know how it is that uh, people would adapt to something entirely new like free market justice. But I, I do think that we really could uh, look at 
restitution as uh, to victims as opposed to just punishing people by putting them in prison, which only enriches the state and victimizes the victim twice because they have to pay, can pay for these people to be in prison through taxes. So how do you feel about all that? Uh, I I still don't know. It's just that's just a really hard thing for me to get around because for a long time I've always been against these pointless laws that put people in prison that I pay for, like the drug laws or just stupid things like that. Okay. And I mean, when I started listening to you guys, I heard you guys say there shouldn't be, it's not a crime if there are no victims. I'm all for that. And I started to listen to um, Market for Liberty. And like I understood the concept of restitution. I thought that really made sense. But then I thought, well, what in the case of murder? And I do agree the victims should be, um, the true victims, the family should be paid back in some way. But like you guys said, it's hard to give them, put value on a person's life. And depending on the situation, sometimes the families probably don't want anything to do with that person. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily right for us to just say, well, you killed someone, so an eye for an eye, we're taking your life. I agree. I think that's a barbaric solution to uh, the problem. I think that uh, certainly forgiveness is the appropriate way to go, but nobody is obligated to forgive the person who has uh, taken another's life uh, from theirs. Um, So what I would suggest is that we allow the marketplace to decide. And and when I say that, it's not just to just pass it off. It's to say that what we currently have, the current governmental judicial system, is very regimented, very rigid in its sentencing guidelines and and how the, the whole process actually works some places are more more rigid than others as far as you know you have to have this mandatory minimum or this maximum etc etc and i think that if a family finds the idea of getting a check every year or every month or whatever from the perpetrator to be a value then they should be able to uh, receive that if the family would prefer to uh, to not have any contact whatsoever even if they would if they would feel better without having anything to remind them of uh, the past then that should be an option on the table as well and i think that whatever it is that would work to solve the uh, to, to resolve the issue to the uh, to the satisfaction of as many of the parties involved as possible, I think would be the ideal situation. I think only the marketplace can bring that, whereas the the governmental system has a very limited amount of options. Yeah, and that's kind of my friend who I talk to about a lot of these things. When sometimes I don't can't figure out the answers myself, or I can't get them from other places, he says lots of times you just have to realize that the free market will figure things out. It's just it needs a chance to. The only way it can be given a chance to is if we actually went into a free market where people could decide what works and what doesn't work and just let it run its course. Well, think about this for a moment. I mean, l- let's look at two different kinds of a murder situation. Let's look at a, you know, a crime in, uh, committed in the heat of passion uh, where the individual who actually committed the murder is, is truly uh, uh, sorry for what he has done, and then let's look at somebody who's uh, you know, a madman, a Jeffrey Dahmer or something like that, somebody who has no remorse whatsoever for, uh, for the acts he's committed, who has, continued to, who has continued to commit and will continue to commit those same acts onto the future. Should a Jeffrey Dahmer, and let's just say Jeffrey's only gotten, let's say he, he's only killed one person uh, and the, the other guy's only killed one person. Je- Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer got caught the first time. And so let's say, and look at these two individuals. Well, does one man deserve 
deserve 10 years while the other man deserves also 10 years because this, the crime was still murder? Do, do the motivations matter? Do, uh, do, does the individual's remorse uh, factor in? If you have somebody who is interested in turning his or her life around, should they not be given the opportunity to do something like that? Whereas if the other individual is not, not showing any remorse whatsoever and is vowing to continue harming others, uh, even if they were to be released... No should, fool would do that. Should the, Well, certainly they wouldn't do that, but should that person be released? Should that person... Um, it's, it's a tough question, but I think that... I think there is a difference between the two, and I think that, again, having the flexibility to deal with each individual circumstance as it comes up is the only thing that is something you can get only from the marketplace. And the government, even though they try to continue to expand the laws, they continue to write down uh, whenever any new instance of a, a crime being committed happens that doesn't fit the current written-down law paradigm, they attempt to expand out the law to include that particular instance, but it never can come cover everything. It can never cover all of the bases. It can never cover all of the possible circumstances, and it can never address them all to the maximum extent they should be addressed. So I think that uh, the marketplace would solve that. Yeah, that's just that's the one that is the one area where I know you would probably still consider me a fascist just because I can't think of a better option, but truthfully, I'm not the one that would be making the decisions, and I'm not the best person to make decisions about things like this because I don't know enough about it. It's just it's the one concept I've been really having trouble wrapping my head around and let me tell you, it took me a while when I first read the chapters in the Market for Liberty that were addressing the issues of, of private market justice. It was very, it was the most difficult section of the book for me to understand, and it took me a couple readings to really start to, uh, to really start to internalize it. And it took me some time as well. It wasn't something that I could just, you couldn't just hit one reading and then read it again. You had to kind of ruminate on it, I guess. And I thank you for the call and the discussion because I'm sure it's helping more than just you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the sacred. CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free. They include the updates. You get signed up. We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on that list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative from privacyharbor.com. Because normal email is not secure, that's privacyharbor.com. As we continue taking your phone calls here, let's talk to Jason in California. Jason, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how's it going? Jason, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, a couple things. First one, uh, what do you guys think about the White House taking over the census? I'm not sure I've heard about it yet. Do uh, fill me in. What's that? What does that mean? Why is it significant? Um, I've only heard a few things, but I guess Obama is wanting to take over the uh, census that goes on every 10 years um, and make it be like basically a federal job, from what I understand. But well, that's already a federal a job, so I'm not I'm not sure as to you're just saying they're sort of reorganizing it because it's already the feds that do the census. 
Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I only read like a small paragraph on it, and uh, I'll have to look more into it. Has anybody else heard about this? It could be just speculating that uh, maybe they intend to do a rolling census as opposed to a, uh, you know. A they already have a census. Annual? They already have a census that goes that continues on. It's they. It's not the census as uh, constitutionally mandated, but it is a census that continues on throughout the ten-year period. So they sort of already had that. Anyway, just curious as to uh, what that was all about. And anything else on your mind tonight, Jason? Uh, yeah, the other one was uh, how Facebook was signing a uh, or was trying to get people to sign the new uh, term of use agreement. And uh, it being a pretty good example for free markets because a lot of people were complaining about it and they backed down. So what were what were in these new terms that uh, were worthy of complaining? It about? basically it, it just it wasn't very uh, privacy friendly. It said that if you wanted to delete your account, they own the rights to what you posted, hmm. um, and uh, they could do with it what they choose, including sub licensing and other things like that. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly uh, an interesting example of how consumers uh, complaining about the service they're receiving results in the service provider, in this case, listening and actually doing something about it. And that's kind of the difference between, you know, a Facebook and an old dinosaur like an RIAA. Facebook hears the consumers saying, we want this or we don't appreciate this, and they are responding, whereas these old guys like the RIAA or the MPAA, just I'm just to name two examples of old behemoth organizations, uh, hear their consumers saying, hey, we want more stuff uh, that we don't have to pay for, and they are not responding. They right. are instead uh, choosing to laugh out in uh, violence against their consumers. Yeah, they'll they'll thrash around for another decade and then they'll disappear. But uh, when you look at the government, when what ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the people responded as far as the bailout, the first one, bailout part one, mm. um, ninety, you know, they people responded and said, no, 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 we don't want this. Yep. And what did they get? They did it anyway because you need this. So now people are forced. To pay, so the government's even a worse model than the MPAA or the RIAA. No doubt about it. Hey, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, Jason. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Let's talk to Liberty in New Hampshire. Liberty, you're on Free Talk Live. This is me, Ian. Hello, is this a Libertine or Liberty? It's Libertine. Libertine, what is on your mind tonight? Well, you had asked me to call about the trial that happened today. Oh, excellent! I was a little confused because uh, it said here in the show preps or the show screening that you were you had a baby today. Oh, maybe you need to take another call because I definitely <laughs> didn't have a baby. That's why I didn't think it was you because they screened you as Liberty in New Hampshire. Okay, so here, so let's set our listeners up with uh, with what went down today. You had gone to court here in New Hampshire based on a open container charge. Was that what it was? That's right, transporting alcoholic beverages. You were in uh, the uh, the car with another activist, Mike Barsky, up here and uh, traveling from one point to another. I guess you did have some sort of an alcoholic beverage with you, which, of Absolutely. course, was harming no one. You were the passenger in the car. Uh, obviously, if you're a passenger in the car, there is no risk whatsoever to having an alcoholic beverage with you. I guess the idea there is that if the driver might be so want to drink so bad that they 
could just reach over and take a sip, maybe. I don't know it what it is. It doesn't make any sense. It's just an absurd prohibition. And they pulled Mike over for whatever reason. You happen to be there. You got caught up in it. At the time, uh, it was your kind of your first real encounter with uh, New Hampshire law enforcement. You're a Free State Project member. You moved here as part of this movement of hundreds of people, thousands soon, coming here to New Hampshire in order to get active for liberty. And so being your first interaction with the police, things were relatively tense. Uh, you were nervous, as I understood it. And maybe you let them know a little more than you might have should have let them know. They asked you some questions that mm, you answered that maybe, on, on in retrospect, hindsight being 2020, you probably would have preferred to not have answered that way. But all that said, it all ended up working out pretty well for you today, Libertine. Uh, share with us what you had to share about this, this trial today. Well, I just want, I want to go back um, about being nervous. This was actually one of the few times where I had an encounter with a cop where I wasn't. Really? It, yes, it was, it was, it was quite uh, unusual. Um, I did offer information, which in retrospect I wish I hadn't. Um, but as you mentioned, in the end, it ended up working out well. Well, I apologize for putting words into your mouth. Well, I guess when I uh, figured there was an encounter with a cop in which you spoke too much, I figured it was nerves that uh, would have allowed that to happen. But in fact, you were actually feeling too comfortable, perhaps, that uh, allowed you to speak a little more than you might have expected to. Well, I, I think that coming, um, moving to the Free State Project uh, and being around people is really, has really been an educational experience. Um, and, of course, I could go into a lot of that. Um, I tend to be very honest, and I was raised to tell the truth. And when people ask me questions, give them answers. Um, I'm beginning to see that that is not always the most appropriate thing to do, especially when encountered with law enforcement officials. I agree. However, I'd like to inject something here or interject something, and that is that telling the truth is a great idea. However, Absolutely. giving answers does not necessarily have to um, mean that you lie. I, I guess what I mean by that is that the, the, counter, uh, the counter to telling truth is not necessarily to lie. It could simply be to omit the truth. So well, you're, you're absolutely right, and I didn't mean to infer that. What I did mean um, is that perhaps I didn't need to answer the questions at all. Yes, there is no obligation to answer any questions from any government bureaucrats at any time. Obviously, they, have, they are men with guns, so they are intimidating in many cases. But as you were saying, you were not intimidated by these men. No, no. It, and they were, we, there were three of them. We ended up with three very beefy, very beefy cops, and uh, they were intimidating. So you were not um, arrested that night. They gave you a citation, set a court date. A summons, yes. A summons, and then you went to that uh, that particular hearing, pled, I presume, not guilty? Correct. And then they scheduled the actual trial for today. So if you'll hang on, I want to bring you back, and we'll talk more about what occurred today. In the same courtroom, I might add, that uh, a couple of activists were recently arrested in Milford District Court here in New Hampshire. Uh, the same judge, I presume. We'll find out all the details here in a few moments as to what went down with Libertine's trial today here in New Hampshire at 800-259-9231. It's another activist success story coming up in moments. 
Peter Schiff on the economy. We're broke. This is not just a financial crisis. This is an economic collapse. The government is trying to interfere with the free market. All the government can do is create inflation. The government doesn't have any money. They're going to print it. doesn't matter if you get your money out of the bank, but then you take it to the grocery store and you can't buy anything. We're going to die from the cure, not the disease. The change that we need is less government. It's less interference. We're just going to get more of the same, only worse. Shiftbomb.com, February 21st. Paid for by PEAC PAC. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you dial in and take control of the airwaves, toll free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. With two small for me.com, that's the numeral two, small, the numeral four, me.com, you can clean out unwanted or unused kids' items from your home, save some money by grabbing donated items, take advantage of the coupons and freebies, and all the features on the site are absolutely free. It's two small for me.com. All right, we continue with your phone calls and return to Libertine, calling from New Hampshire. Libertine is a Free State Project member, moved here from, I believe it was Hawaii. Yes. And uh, you got into your first legal situation, hopefully your last, uh, but your first legal situation when you were pulled over with uh, another activist, Mike Barsky, up here and cited for uh, what was the exact charge? Uh, open container or something or other? Transporting alcoholic beverages. Oh, so it wasn't open container. Transporting. Wait. Well, it is open container. Oh. So if you had closed, if you, if the container was was sealed, then you would not have been transporting it. So the cops if, wouldn't know this, it was alcohol. This is it, correct. If the bottles had had their original seal and all liquid intact inside, it would not have been a problem. So it's really about the seals. That's interesting. So I could have a bottle of vodka in my car with the top screwed on, and if as I was trans- long as it's not been opened. But if it has been open, say I'm say I've decided that you know it's over at a friend's house for a party. I load up uh, my little bar gear for the uh, for the party. Mm-hmm. Once that top's been opened, I am now transporting an alcoholic beverage. Open container. Unless well, unless you put it in the trunk of the car. Exactly. Okay. Right. Well, that's a crappy deal for people that drive trucks without a trunk. What do they do in that case? I think case? you have, would have, just have to put it like in the back or. I mean, could you put it, if, like, you had a little truck, could you put it behind and, like, under the seat? I mean, would that be considered your trunk, or? If it's reachable by anybody in the passenger section of the car, it it is illegal. Clearly, you've done your research on this. Uh, is this a misdemeanor charge? It, it was not a misdemeanor. It was a... You know, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. Usually, up there's words. a violation, a misdemeanor. It was a violation. A violation. Okay, interesting. So, that, so therefore, oh, that's kind of neat to know, at least, that in New Hampshire, if you're driving with an open container, that's no, there's no jail time because violations, there's no jail time um, for those. Of course, if you don't pay the fine, they could theoretically put you in jail. But you went to court over this today at uh, Milford District Court, which is uh, was a court that d- really had some bad things uh, to be said about it recently, as they the uh, the bailiffs there assaulted uh, some of our activists recently. They arrested them, uh, a couple of them, for just the most asinine of reasons. But yet today, you got a relatively decent uh, response out of the judge at that court. 
going to your trial today for this uh, this open container charge. Why don't you paint the picture for us? What happened today? The first thing that happened was she left me for the very, very end. And so the only people, yeah, that was interesting. The only people in the courtroom was myself and everybody that came. I don't know if you want them listed. No, that's all right. Okay. Great activists, all of them, I'm sure. Fantastic. Uh, it was it was a great support system, I've got quick, to say. Quick question before you go on. Uh, just, just to make sure it wasn't, uh, was it an alphabetical thing or was it total by chance that they happened to schedule for the end? I mean, does your last name start with a Z? No, it does not. Okay. So then, uh, so th- this is kind of something that we've observed has happened in the past is that if they don't want the regular folk to see how they treat the activists, they will treat, they will uh, schedule the activists for the end of the day, and that's what they did with you. Well, my name was at, when she called out the list of trials, my name was second. Hmm. But when the trials actually took place, I was the very last one. Okay. So what happened? Um, the first thing that happened was that I was called forward, and then the police officer was asked to the stand and sworn in, and then he gave his testimony. And that's where I got absolutely blown away, as Kat said, because he began to lie. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this being my first experience, I couldn't believe that this man was under oath and lying. What kind of lies was he telling? Just give me a um, couple examples. He, he said that I called him rude and that that was the actual word that came out of my mouth on three separate occasions when, in fact, it, I never said that. He said that he demanded that I return to the car three times and that I refused when, in fact, when he asked me to return to the car, I did, again, being very compliant. Um, he said that he demanded that I get out of the car so that he could get the beer bottles out when, in fact, he asked me to reach in and get them for him. He then also said that I refused to unlock the the driver's side door after I refused to get out of the car when he asked me to when he tried to go around to the other side to get the bottles out. So he contradicted himself as well. Interesting. Yes. Um, so he's so, just trying to paint paint a picture of you as being a bad person, uh, somebody who is unruly and unreasonable, uh, when, of course, none of that, none of that, even if it were true, actually has to do with the actual charge, which is having an open container of it, Exactly, and this is where I think he made his mistake. He had an open and shut case, which was what the prosecutor told me when I went to my arraignment. He said, we don't have any problem with this. You had the the open bottles, the two open bottles in the car. You admitted to drinking the alcohol. In fact, minutes before you you were pulled over, it's open and shut. So I don't understand why he did what he did. And the, the first thing is he also went into great detail about Mike Barsky and began to tell the entire story. And uh, I think he was talking for almost five to seven minutes before the judge realized that Mike was in the courtroom and was hearing all this. And she stopped the the cop and ascertained that Mike was indeed the person that he was talking about who was in the courtroom and had his own trial coming up and asked the cop to stop talking about that since it didn't have anything to do with my trial. 
So where did it go from there? Was that pretty much their uh, their prosecution? Did you mount a defense, or no, you pretty so, much just? So what he did was he continued to talk, and after he was finished, the prosecutor got up and questioned him extensively and did his best to make sure that everybody there was aware that this was a very well-trained police officer, that he had gone through specific training in detecting alcohol <laughs> in a vehicle and on breath, and um, that he was doing his job correctly. At that point, because I was blown away by all the lies that had taken place, when it was my turn, I spoke directly to the judge and asked her, what do I do since he has obviously said things that are untrue? And she detailed out for me that I could either, I could question him at that time, and then I could take the stand and tell my story. Um, I talked with her for a few minutes because I knew I didn't want to take the stand. Mm -hmm. And it took me a few minutes and some of her coaching to understand how to ask questions while giving information at the same time. Hmm. And so by posing my questions with information, I was able to tell what was the truth. So you could uh, you could sort of state what you believe to be the truth and then ask something like, is that correct? Or what was Listen, the... I'll give you an example. Yeah. He said that um, when he came up to the car on Mike's side, despite the fact that he also stated the window was only open one inch, he smelled alcohol emanating from the car. Now, there were two open beer bottles. One was empty and one had maybe a quarter inch of alcohol in it. Uh, he stated that when he came up and approached me when I was sitting in the car, that alcohol was coming off my breath and my eyes were watery. All right, we'll come, come back with more here uh, with Libertine, one of the activists here in New Hampshire, the rest of her trial, and your thoughts about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. How did it all turn out? We'll find out in moments. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the AMP program. You get access to perks like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Uh, so all the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. We continue uh, talking about the trial that happened today that, unfortunately, I didn't know about early enough in advance simply because I've been behind on my email, and I, I, I guess there's no excuse good enough. I wish I could have been there uh, because it was a successful one. It's always nice to see more successes coming out of New Hampshire. Of course, if you've listened to the show before, you know that the three of us that are hosting tonight, we're all Free State Project members. We moved here as part of the Free State Project, which is a movement of thousands of liberty-minded individuals all moving to New Hampshire in order to get active for freedom. Some are getting active in a more political way. Some are getting active uh, with non-cooperation and civil disobedience. And, of course, all the while, inevitably, some people are going to get picked off by the state for various different charges in the realm of activism. If you're doing activism, it's sticking your head above water to some extent, and uh, inevitably, some people are going to be targeted. And Libertine is on the line with us in New Hampshire. You are one of the people that was recently uh, 
arrested or not I guess technically it's not really a, you're not you weren't really arrested but you were summoned which means that if you don't go they're going to come and arrest you. So it's sort of like technically an arrest but not in the same way that most people think of it. Anyway, you went to trial for an open container uh situation and the cop got up, he testified, tried to make you look like a bad person. He lied during his testimony and then you were giving us an example of a way that you figured you figured out a way to actually tell your side of the story without taking the stand by essentially stating facts and turning them into questions, and you were giving us one example of that. Right. And uh, I continued in that way, and the judge allowed it. And at one point, um, here's where it, what it, where it really came down to him being, it was obvious that he was not telling the truth. The particular beer that I had that I admitted drinking was a dogfish head, 90-minute IPA, which only comes in four packs. And he stated that he saw six beers in the car. And I questioned him on that three or four times. He stated unequivocally there were six beers, four unopened, two opened. And, um, and then I stated they only come in four packs. At that point, the prosecutor tried to overrule that as being in, uh, not pertinent to the questioning, but the judge overruled his objection. Mm-hmm. And um, a few minutes after that, I said that I had no more questions, and she asked me if I wanted to, to state anything, get on the stand. I said, no, I didn't. And then she asked him uh, if he had one more thing to say and if, or if I had said anything else. And he stated that at the very end, after he had released Mike and I both and given us all our citations, I had gotten out of the car and went back and asked him for my two bottles because one of the other officers who was a supervisor, had I had asked him for my bottles back, and he told me I could have them. So when I asked this particular officer, he said no, because they were going to be held as evidence. Okay. And I told him I wanted them because I homebrew. So this is what the cop told the judge as the final thing. And then she had a question for him, and she asked him what was the temperature of the bottle when I handed it to him from the car. And he said he didn't know. And at that point, she looked down, and then she looked up, and she said, given everything that's been stated here today, I find a judgment of no ruling. What does and that I mean? I looked at her blankly because I had no idea what that meant, and she said, you're free to go. No ruling? No ruling. So it's just wiped off the table, basically? It's not guilty, it's not not guilty, it's... No ruling. Um, (laughs) Honest to God, I think we were all so excited. (laughs) Nobody stopped to ask what exactly that meant. Huh. Mark, have you ever heard of that before? No ruling? It it sounds like something one one might do in a situation of a violation as opposed to, you know, a, a larger crime. I don't know. No. Very interesting. So you were able to walk out at that point, and presumably they won't be bothering you with this again. Presumably. Now, the interesting thing was, at that point, Mike went up to ask her about videotaping at his trial, which is upcoming. And I remembered my beer bottle, which was in plain view on the desk there. And uh, when he was done, I asked her, may I please have my beer bottle back? And she said, absolutely, and handed it to me. And and uh, was this the the very large judge that was uh, also the same one for Mike's hearing earlier? Yes. The Interesting. Same one.
Well, I'm glad it worked out so well for you, and congratulations on your success. Uh, I hope we continue to have more of them. I hope that as the police uh, continue, as they will, to arrest people for nonviolent, peaceful, so-called crimes, like having an open container or, in Andrew Carroll's case, uh, possess- a possession of marijuana or whatever the, uh, the so-called crime might be, hopefully, as they continue to bring these cases in front of judges and judges continue to reject them because they've come to understand that they're going to face some major heat from the activist community if they don't start rejecting these things, uh, then eventually that'll lead to the the police stopping uh, doing the arrests in the first place, and then maybe we can actually have a little bit more freedom. I hope so. Thank you. I I was, uh, Hmm? yeah, I was uh, very much prepared to not pay the fine. Oh, great. And go to jail. But uh, you never even came to that. That didn't happen. So congratulations again, and uh, thank you for the call tonight, Libertino. It was great hearing from you. Always uh, best to hear the story from the lips of those who experienced it. And we've got another uh, activist on the line who was uh, part of the experience today. Mark, uh, Mike Barsky is on the line, on the amp line in New Hampshire. Hey, how you all doing? Hey, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to talk about something else that I found interesting about this trial that happened today. I mean, I think it was great that, that uh, Libertine got released uh, my personal opinion about uh, no finding, it means that there wasn't enough evidence to make a ruling so that possibly if they find new evidence, i.e., if I screw up in my trial and they get some information, new information, they might go after her again. I mm. doubt it, but I think that might, might be what it means. Interesting. But what I, what, two things about this trial today, and one, I'm going to have to pay attention to every time I go to a trial for uh, a court from now on. Um, they were just ringing in money. And we did some rough calculations, you, know, you know, with their fines that they were assessing. And right, because you sat through the entire day before they actually had her trial. Day. Right. And today we did some rough calculations, and we estimated how many employees uh, were working there, the judge, the cops, the bailiffs, the clerks, and how much we guessed how much money they make and the, and the public de- uh, prosecutor or the public defender. And we also did a rough calculation of how, many, how much money they earned in the state in fines, mm-hmm. and they they took in a roughly five thousand dollars in an, in one hour. Wow! And they probably and they probably spent about two thousand dollars that day for employees. For all the employees in the overhead, yeah. Right. Well, no, not not the overhead. We didn't even consider the infrastructure, okay. just the employees. So it's just ridiculous how much money they're raking in. And and you're talking about uh, people with what? What were some of the other so-called crimes that you saw happen today? Was it mostly drug no. possession and alcohol? No, no. Today was mostly victimless. There were a lot of um, oh, drug, drug possession is victimless. Without... <laughs> oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of of um, driving without registration, driving under suspended license. There mm-hmm. were three thefts in there, but there were um, a lot of uh, actual victimless ones. So people were getting multi hundred dollar fines, typically. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah, I think that the cheapest, I think the cheapest fine was a hundred dollars, and I. There was there was some mention. The judge mentioned an amount of five hundred thousand dollars for one person, but I think we must have misheard that. Yeah, probably. And otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, the largest fine was like two thousand dollars or something. So, what was your other observation from today? The other observation is actually I I think very positive, and this is the today was the first time I'd ever heard in court a judge issuing um, sentences which consisted of fine and possibly jail time and restitution to the victim. I heard a number of trials. Actually, it was the three theft trials. Where, or maybe there were four, that the judge said, here's your fines, here's what I find you guilty, here are the fines, and you must pay this amount to the person you stole from or to the company you stole from. Hmm. That's good to hear. Yeah. Hey, that here's another question for you. Uh, oh, while yeah. you were there, I know there were at least a handful of activists that came out today. Did, uh, did the activist crowd stand for this particular judge? 
Oh, that's interesting, and I'll also add a fact to this. No, we did not stand. There was one point where the judge called a recess before Libertine's trial, of mm-hmm. course, just to make us all wait longer. And when the judge was walking out, the bailiff said, please stand. We were all of us activists. were the only ones left in the room, and none of us stood, and nothing happened about it. Great. But I'll, I'm also going to add that um, <laughs> uh, Lauren Canario was one of the activists there, and she <laughs> she had taken off her pants and worn, you know, her shirt and long underwear when walking through the metal detector because she didn't want to have to, you know, any rivets or anything make the thing buzz. Right, because last time, hey, yeah, because last time she was there, they wouldn't let her through because she refused to allow herself to be patted down and and go through right. the, uh, the the essentially the the commands that they were attempting to give her. So very interesting approach right. on her part, Mike. Thanks for sharing tonight, and sure. good luck nice. next week because your trial in the same court is happening next week. I hope to make it out for that, sir. Thanks. Thanks, dude. 800-259-9231. Hour number two is coming up. Activist success here in New Hampshire. Hopefully it will continue, and it can with your help. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231 as we launch here in hour number two of the program, 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy them on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Go right back into your phone calls and then to an email from Mexico. First, we go to Dave in Athens, Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live, Dave, and listening to WAIS. Hello, Dave. Dave in Athens, going once. Dave in Athens. Can you hear me? Hey, Dave. Yeah, I was the victim of a crime once, a victim crime. Thank goodness it was only once. What was it? Yeah. It was a battery. Hmm. The guy only got a year in prison. No, okay, i got to clarify something. What is the difference between assault and battery? Assault is... If I pull my hand back at you and threaten you to hit you, that's assault. But if I actually hit you, that's battery. Is that true? That's uh, that's the common definitions of them, and it's true in most places. However, they use the terminology depending on you know however they want. So an assault doesn't necessarily have to involve touching another person. An assault no. is a threat, bodily harm. Interesting. Yes. And um, the guy was already on parole for another crime, and he only got a year. Hmm. And now I have a restraining order against him. Mm-hmm. Did you so actually I, get anything uh, as far as restitution is concerned? No, I didn't. How does that make you feel? It made me beyond angry. Right, I'm because you're say the word because right, well, pissed perhaps, uh, yep. you or maybe worse, because yep. you were victimized twice. You were victimized by him, and then yep. you were victimized also by the state in order to pay to keep him in a prison cell for yep. a year. So you were victimized by him and the state. It was a double victimization. Yes, how would the free market handle something like that? How would it handle it? Yeah. What do you think, Dave? Restitution. Restitution, exactly right. They would decide, based on a variety of factors, uh, what it was worth 
and then he would have to pay you back. And once he paid you back and made you whole, and uh, plus a little bit for your time and and uh, and effort and and the, whatever mental loss you might have occurred as a result of it. Uh, as soon as you were made whole, then he would be okay, and he'd be able to move on with his life, and you'd be able to move on with yours, and then hopefully he would understand that in a world where you have to pay restitution, it just doesn't pay to commit crime. In the the Bible times, you pay restitution if you do a crime. Is that true? Pretty much. That's good to know. Thanks, Dave, for the call tonight. Glad it worked uh, sort of out for you. At least they caught the guy. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So, yeah, the restitution system actually contributes to a lower crime rate. I mean, besides all of the other changes we can make to the justice system, obviously ending the, the whole concept of a victimless crime, ending the war on drugs, all of that would go a long way to reducing violent crime. But also, having a system of restitution would reduce crime because the criminals would know in advance that if they commit the crime and get caught, they've got to pay back. Whereas today, if you go out and you commit enough robberies, you rob enough banks, or you know you do enough crime and you manage to sock away, let's say you're you're a criminal that actually saves the money that you're that you're getting through all of your criminal activity, you manage to sock away enough of it, even if you get busted for the most recent crime. If you spend a year in jail and you've socked all of your profits away from the crime, then well, you've you come out and you've got some money left. Whereas, I don't know any criminals like that. <laughs> well, probably those criminals don't get caught. But nonetheless, my, my point is, if you know that you have to pay the victim back rather than just have to sit in a jail cell, it may do a little something toward uh, lessening your likelihood to commit that crime in the first place. 800-259-9231. If you've got thoughts uh, you want to share with us, let's talk to Eileen in Massachusetts. Eileen, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hi. How you doing? What's on your mind tonight, Eileen? Oh, um... I uh, found something on the internet last week, and it was a news item in the Bismarck Tribune, which is Bismarck, North Dakota. Okay. Um, basically, it's one of these real boring, kind of obligatory uh, news items that that they stick in the newspaper, just sort of announcing all of the items that are going to be on the slate for that week in the North Dakota legislature. Okay. And there's lots of things on the that were on the slate last week, including um, legislation concerning black-tailed prairie dogs and mm-hmm. breastfeeding in public and things like that. And one of them was for Thursday, the the 12th of February, they were going to discuss the North American Union. Okay, what about and, it? Well, I was just kind of stunned because. I've been hearing forever that that's just an urban legend, and yet the North Dakota legislature is officially recognizing it in their session. Well, I I wouldn't say that it's an urban legend necessarily. Uh, There's certainly people that are in positions of power in Washington that would have an interest in expanding their their realm and expanding the amount of bureaucrats they have underneath them and expanding to the rest of the North American continent would be something they'd be interested in. How much? How many steps have been taken toward it? I'm I'm not sure. I know that there is the Securities and Prosperities Partnership at the the national level, which is some sort of initial phase uh, in that whole process. Will it ever come to fruition? I I don't know. It's certainly a possibility that it will. And and what was what was the North Dakota legislature talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe they were talking about opposing the North American Union. Who, who knows? And a- actually, that's that's exactly what it is. Um, oh, it good. was a a measure, uh, it was a House, uh, a House concurrent resolution uh, um, in which they want the uh, North Dakota legislature, when they, 
when they send their representatives to Washington to oppose it in Congress. Good. I hope they do, and I hope that they take another step, and that if it does begin to look like it's becoming a reality, that they'll go ahead and just withdraw from the union. I think that would be one of those "you've crossed the line" federal government things uh, that would encourage a lot of people to start thinking about secession. Don't you? Um, perhaps I, I just generally find that the whole uh, North American Union thing—it's in the realm of uh, pretty much urban legend, and and it's flying under the radar. And yet, here we have, what's his name? It says here it's Representative Dan Ruby. He's a Republican in North Dakota. He's the one who, um, I believe, I don't know if he drafted the bill or, or if he's representing the bill in the, in the North Dakota legislature. But, um, I mean, I mean it's, it's like, no, it doesn't exist. And, well, what's that, you know, behind the curtain? Oh, that's nothing. And that's kind of what I feel like is going on here. And, and you know, NAFTA was not a big deal. At least I don't think it was a big deal. And NAFTA is all... You know, we're all down and groovy with that, right? And and yet the North American Union is is just being kept more quiet, and, and I'm, I'm a little annoyed by it. Well, I appreciate your observations, and uh, thanks for calling in to tell us what you what you saw and what you experienced. Uh, thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231 is the number. Um, what do you guys think? Is this North American Union thing, uh, is it a, a possible reality here? How I don't do know. Um, bugbear, that's the word that comes to mind. What's that, that mean? Uh, phantom. Uh, you know, like I'm not interested in, in joining any uh, North American Union, not interested in New Hampshire or the United States uh, joining any of those things. However, um, there's a lot of really bad things going on in Washington, D.C. that are way right out in the open. They're jamming through stimulus bills and buying up banks and just doing all kinds of crap. Bailing out losers with mortgages. That's yeah, absolutely true. Uh, you know, uh, keeping... Uh, old dinosaur uh, auto companies afloat yeah when uh, you know i to some extent i'm not saying it's urban legend i don't i don't know I, I you know like just like you said there's some evidence for it out there but it's really not the most important thing to me right now and if i'd run across it maybe i would call in just like that but yeah it, you know yeah well, it sounds like what she was experiencing there was something relatively positive toward the whole idea of a north american union that would be the opposition to it so that's well, a good thing, right? I mean, that's what what she experienced there was something relatively positive. If the Washington D.C. wants to shove through a North American Union, they've got their little ducks in a row. Whatever they're doing in Bismarck, North Dakota, does not matter. Well, even and if they get together with the folks in Pierre, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if they want to shove through a North American Union, it's not going to be something they're going to be able to do under the cover of darkness. I mean, that's going to be big news if and when it actually does happen. And at this point, it doesn't seem to be on the table at the, at the national Americans level. Americans opposed the stimulus bill in like record numbers. We got it. It doesn't matter. They know in Washington that they can jam whatever they want down our throats. We'll swallow, and we'll say thank you, sir. Well, maybe they're wrong. Maybe we're approaching a point in history at which the American people will decide they've had enough, or at least the folks here in New Hampshire and a handful of other states may decide they've had enough and say, look, we're drawing a line in the sand, and if you cross it, a North American Union would be crossing it, we're out of here. I think it's possible. What do you think? 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, including the Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo to prove they listened to the show. You can head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see that for yourself at shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you are a lady listener, you can submit a picture for the Shrine. All the details are there at shrine.freetalklive.com. If you've been looking for something to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie, well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adameve.com, get 50% off one item when you type in FTL at the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. We continue with your phone calls. Mike is on the line in Ottawa. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Mike, hey, Mike. in Ottawa. Long time no talk. What's on your mind tonight, Mike? Well, I got a little side off or off sidetracked here with uh, the last caller there. Was she referring to NAFTA, or which is really existing, or NAU, which doesn't really exist? She did mention NAFTA offhand, and she said she was okay with it, but obviously I'm not okay with any sort of governmental agreements. It, I'm okay with NAFTA. That means I can could, I could work in New Hampshire, eh? Uh, NAFTA is some sort of North American free trade agreement, and whenever the government has any sort of agreement that says free trade, it usually means it's thousands of pages long and has nothing to do with free trade whatsoever. So okay. it's some sort of protectionist document of which I don't know the details. And well, I don't two, need little, to know them. two little things. I'll be really quick. What you were discussing about assault with one caller? Yes, sir. In Canada, it's the same thing. Assault means I have reasonable belief that you're able to carry out the threat. You send your granny out to fight me? Well, there's no assault. Not assault. You? Yeah. I have reasonable belief you could do it. Okay. Aggravated assault means you actually hit. And Second so thing, aggravated assault this... is the same as battery? Mm, yes. Um, aggravated assault, and, you know, and this is where it starts getting all mixed up. Aggravated assault is I heft the baseball bat in your direction. Um, it's you not know, usually, to hurt me. Yeah, usually not in a, in a, necessarily in an attempt, but uh, um, you know, I think that would be attempted battery. But uh, assault is still a threat. Generally, no, sir, I don't think you heard me. Intent. You may have missed, but you had intent. Okay, but that would be attempted battery, would it not? Attempted yes. aggravated battery. I agree. Aggravated <laughs> assault, same thing. You tried to hit. Okay. You just didn't threaten. So what else do you have on your mind tonight? Well, we had this guy in Ottawa today in the blue airplane. You know what I noticed? A few years back, we had the Dalai Lama here. He didn't even garner the same number of spectators as the Dalai Lama did. What uh, guy in a blue airplane are you referring to? President? Well, I'm sure you know who. No, I, I don't. Some guy named Barack. Oh, he came to Ottawa, Canada today? Yeah. Oh, what was that all about? Well, he had to shake hands with our prime minister and tell him about the economy and the environment while spending $8,000 million of gasoline on airplanes. So you're saying that more people came out for Barack Obama than came out for the No, Dalai more people came out for Dalai Lama. Oh, good. The Dalai Lama's a hell of a draw, you know. Yeah, I would hope so. He, I mean, he's, he's not as violent a thug as uh, Barack Obama. One last thing before I go. Yes, sir. Do you guys know what the Legion is in Canada? The Legion? No, what is that? It's like a a drinking club for retired soldiers. Okay. The other night I was there. There was three Irish guys sitting out front, and they were talking about they've had enough of Canada and the taxes, 
And the one guy says, maybe we should move to New Hampshire. And the other guy says, live free or die, man. Wow. They were all drunk, yes, but. Weird. Cool. Thanks for the story, man. Okay. Thanks. 800-259-9231. Now, the Dalai Lama, isn't he an ousted king who wishes to return to power? And he kind of he kind of makes himself appear to be this peaceful uh, guy that's really in touch with happiness or whatever. But in point of fact, he's really just uh, hungering for power. The Dalai Lama, I believe, is somebody sort of like Mother Teresa, who people really I- tend to idolize, at least a nice chunk of them. And I believe they feel sorry for him because he lost his land or whatever. But yeah. as I understand it, he, he was wasn't. Well, yeah, somebody else took it over. So right. people feel sorry for him. They say that he deserves it back. But as I understand it, he did not treat his people very well. I mean, he lived great because mm-hmm. he was a king. But the the land, I Tibet, I is it, it was Tibet? Yeah, Tibet, wasn't it? Okay, I don't want to sound stupid, but I don't really know that much about the There's Dalai a difference Lama. between being stupid and uninformed. Okay, well, I don't want to sound uninformed, but... Um, I, I think that the, it was a very poor and undeveloped country, and in, in that, or was it a country, Tibet? See, I think so. <laughs> I I went to government I schools, yeah, geography. <laughs> we learned the fifty. You don't states. know much more, much less than I might know about it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I I believe that the Dalai Lama is a title given to a guy who might uh, might may or may not have ruled Tibet at one point. Um, he did I, rule it at one point in time, I yes, think. Yes, it is a title that is passed on to different men. Yeah, that's I true. Don't, and I, but certain, the one who is famous lives in New York City, right? He's well known, at least. The Dalai, he's the right, Dalai on, Lama. Moved on to be sort of a spiritual leader. And yes. uh, Tibet's a very spiritual-type land um, in that they uh, you know, have, a, have a reputation for that kind of thing. And um, so you've... You've got that that uh, piece to the puzzle, but I'm sure Dalai Lama's uh, chopped people's heads off in the past. So, you know, like what? Really, you want to make this guy king of Tibet? That'll make everything better. Yeah, it'll I, make his life better. It certainly yeah. will. Well, I don't think he's having a bad life right now. I no, mean, he's published I, books and he's got huge world renown. So I'm sure he's pretty comfy right he where he is. Probably really doesn't care about getting Tibet back, whether it happens or not. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I I I, I did read his book. Let's see. When I was with my former girlfriend, we did a book swap or whatever, and I read his book, something about finding happiness, and it wasn't the most eye-opening of books or anything blah, blah, like blah. that. But he probably didn't write it. I don't know. That's a possibility. Do you think he had a ghostwriter? Sure. Well, anyway, toll-free number here. If you yeah, know more a about lot the, of books, right? I, presumably. If you know more about the Dalai Lama than we do, you're welcome to fill us in on what we don't know at 800-259-9231, because we're talk show hosts. We don't really know it's what we're talking about. a great deal about the Dalai, Dalai Lama. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, call in with that if you've got it. 800-259-9231. And in the meantime, we go to the land of Mexico, where we have an emailer. Yep. Um, it says, hi, Mark. I'm a podcast listener in Juarez, Mexico. Opening, opening to the ideas of freedom. Stations here, specifically on the border with El Paso, Texas, don't carry your show. And I want to thank you for the podcast that you put on uh, the FTL webpage. I listen to them at work, and they make my workday more easy and enjoyable. I've been having a discussion with some of my friends, and the thing is that I'm defending my right not to vote. So my reason is that even if you vote for a representative, they have some of your um, that might have some of your political ideas. They end up, um, they may end up making bad decisions for the people that they elected them, and um, benefit or bad decisions that benefit a certain group of, um, in power. So my friends tell me if I don't vote, I don't have a right to protest the bad government. And also, there is a <laughs> spot on TV where the celebrities from this country give out the same message: mm-hmm. if you don't vote, don't complain. 
Yep. Sounds common. Fascist to me. Yep. I hear that one up here. Yeah, it's it's um, it's dumb. I'm asking. It's if, good to know that the same crappy excuses are everywhere. Well, sure, they've got the same crappy television uh, programming everywhere. I'm asking if you can give some advice and um, what to tell my friends because the things that I mentioned before um, to them are are not uh, arguments enough, and I don't have uh, more to back me up. Well, Thank you. With that, here in moments, 800-259-9231 for our Juarez listener. 800-259-9231, and maybe you've got an answer for the objection in that if you claim you don't want to vote for the lesser of two evils, some other person would claim you don't have a right to complain. What would you say to that? Give us your answer at 800-259-9231 or bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Peter Schiff on the economy. We're broke. This is not just a financial crisis. This is an economic collapse. The government is trying to interfere with the free market. All the government can do is create inflation. The government doesn't have any money. They're going to print it. doesn't matter if you get your money out of the bank, but then you take it to the grocery store and you can't buy anything. We're going to die from the cure, not the disease. The change that we need is less government. It's less interference. We're just going to get more of the same, only worse. Schiffbomb.com, February 21st. Paid for by PEAC PAC. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Dot com and those features include live streams. So we've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version, as well as a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. It's the 57th running of America's legendary sports car classic, and it starts Saturday, March, or it happens rather Saturday, March 21st at Sebring International Raceway. The Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, presented by Fresh from Florida, features the fastest race cars in the world. Now, 12 Hours of Sebring is a little misleading of a title because it actually starts on Wednesday, March 18th, and goes on for four full days of action, culminating with a big 12-hour classic on Saturday, March 21st. For ticket information, you can visit SebringRaceway.com. That's Sebring, the biggest sports car race of them all. SebringRaceway.com. It's the granddaddy of them all. 1-800. Is that their theme music? No, that's actually the Arcadia Rodeo, which they really don't do commercials anymore. (laughs) But I've always loved that that damn jingle. That's a jingle I have to say I've never never heard before. Really? You've never heard that? Yeah, well, you're a little younger than I am. All right. Toll free. 800-259-9231. We are in the midst of an email from Juarez, Mexico. And who is the emailer, by the way? Marco. Marco emails us saying that he's gotten into conversations with friends about voting. And there are certain television commercials that run, and of course this common uh, concept that people like to just spout off that, well, if you don't vote, you can't complain. Right. So does that mean you can complain if you do vote apparently. and, and your, what you wanted didn't happen? Right. Yes, it, apparently. It's ludicrous, the idea that... Um, Going somewhere and checking off a box right. makes, <laughs> all of a sudden gives you permission to complain? There's a whole bunch of reasons why this doesn't make any sense. Uh, first off, if I go and I vote for my mom for president 
or Mickey Mouse. Then you can complain? Th- then I'm allowed to complain? <laughs> because I went there, and I stood in line, and I right. filled out the ballot. Now I can complain. Right. You could actually go there, stand in the actual voting booth, and then walk out without having having actually voted, and no one would really know it. Would you then be able to complain? Right. And then um, you're also talking about the only, the only person they're really talking about is president, because ask them what the name of their senator is. Mm, name, them, name the city council members. Right. Ask them any of those things. They don't know because they didn't know when they walked in and they picked either a party. A or B. Right. <laughs> or they picked somebody's name who they liked. So whether you vote out of ignorance or vote out of uh, being well-informed, you can still complain. But as long as you don't vote, you can't complain Right. So long as you went there, I suppose, yeah. then that makes some sense, right? And w- even when it comes to the presidential election, you're still talking about, uh, you know, t- two giant crap sandwiches. Um, right. And, and, and for, for our Mexican listeners, that's uh, Titanico Sandwiches de Caca. I mean, there it, it doesn't matter which country you're in. They, you know, they, they give you no choices. These people stink as far as choices go. So I'm supposed to choose between these two? Right. And to take it out to its logical extreme, I mean, we know that the government is violence. We know the government is force. So what if the choices were between a candidate who promised to kill you and a candidate who promised to rape you over and over again for the rest of your life? One of those two. These are your choices. You get to vote. But you're saying that if I choose to not vote for either one of those two candidates, that I don't get the right to complain as I'm being killed or as I'm being raped for the rest of my life? I mean, that's that's how ludicrous this is. It's it's an extreme example, but I can see where you're coming from. On well, it. they are committing violence on you any way you slice it. One candidate is advocating for a certain type of violence. The other candidate is advocating for violence being uh, exacted in a slightly different way. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a reference to this sort of veil of legitimacy, the government basically makes you or at least attempts to make people feel like they have a say because they can go and vote. So I I think people just sort of naturally say, well, if you don't vote, obviously you don't care about what's going on. Therefore, you have no say is obviously the logical connection that they make. But if you actually think about it for a minute, instead of just repeating what you've heard all your life that's what they're doing yeah yeah because that's what they teach you in school rock the vote yeah right, right. And, and it's just so ludicrous because vote for anybody doesn't really, matter who right it well it, that's not what they're that's what they're saying but it's not what they mean all vote those for Obama. Out, all yeah all, all those uh, get out the vote programs are uh, statistically going to help the democrats in this country and i don't know how it is for uh, marco and i don't know what his particular electoral process is but there were only 54 55 votes that counted for president um in two in 2008 here in the united states only 55 because it's a it's a winner take all one vote you can win by one vote in the different states and uh, there's uh, Nebraska and Maine have uh, you know they give out the electoral votes in a little different fashion so um, it ends up being 54 you know elections 54 separate elections and the person who who made it over by one that was the one that made the difference so here in New Hampshire let's say Barack Obama won by uh, 40,000 votes. If I voted for Barack Obama or didn't, it would make the difference of 39,999 that he won by or 40,000 or 40,001, depending on whether I did it or whatever. Mm-hmm. whatever. So why? tell me again why it matters whether I voted for Barack Obama, because it doesn't. It, it does matter, 
to those who believe it, as Julia was talking about, in the legitimacy of the state and who understand that in order for the state to retain its legitimacy, it must have participation. And so if people are participating, they believe there's some reason that they're going out and voting, that they're making some significant difference. They believe that the process is legitimate and that their voting in that process actually does legitimize it in their minds. And so the more people vote, the more legitimate the process is. They, If they have no one voting, if 0% turns <laughs> out... They'll pick somebody they'll pick somebody anyway there's no doubt about it but they know that the process has lost legitimacy they know that nobody is respecting any of this that they that they find the candidates absolutely abhorrent and they're so bad they're not even bothering to turn out zero percent turned out for you know for this election this hypothetical election occasionally it will happen in some smaller town elections where zero percent will turn out and and you're right julia they just go on doing what they're doing however they're not the position but they're not doing it with any as much of a veil of legitimacy as before so that's why it's so important to those who support the system to see people participating. I don't think that in the, on the town level it even matters as far as um, veil legitimacy. And that my, my contention on voting isn't that I, it's, it's basically insignificant. Therefore, my contention is that not voting is also insignificant. Um, it doesn't matter whether I'm not encouraging you to vote or not vote. Go do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't think that your vote for president matters now it uh, the what i did for um you know was i traded with my wife um i'd let her you go ahead honey you pick the ones on a national uh, level that you want to pick and i'll pick the ones on a state level so i traded my state v- votes for her um you know national is, votes. That, is that a crime it might be i don't know okay. i mean i but there's there's a per- certain sovereignty that comes with a uh with a marriage relationship that is doesn't exist elsewhere so I would be able, likely be able to do that with my wife and no one else. Hmm. Um, however, you know, so she picked the ones that she thought were greatest, and uh, I'm fine and dandy. So I gave her the ones that I wanted to vote uh, for on the state level, and we made our little minds up ahead of time, and I, you know, off we went and voted. Whenever people ask me at work, or mostly at work, is when I get this kind of question, who I voted for, I simply respond with, well, I didn't vote for anybody because... I don't see any either candidate or even some of the other candidates, but the two main ones, none of them have my best interest in mind. So that's what I tell people. And every single person I've told that to says, oh, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. So no one has said, well, you don't have a right to complain. Right. They all pretty much admit right there on the spot that they're voting for lesser of two evils. And I just say, well, I don't I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I used to do that and it just doesn't seem worth my time anymore. Neither of them have my best interest in mind, and I'm not voting for anyone who doesn't have that in mind. And they don't look that much lesser. You know, I think this it's also the mentality is kind of a, uh, well, we're in the club and you're not mentality. The yeah. idea that, well, we voted and you didn't, so therefore we don't really even want to hear what you have to say. We because, got the sticker. Yeah, because, <laughs> <laughs> right, because we participated. Our opinion is more legitimate to us than your opinion is because you didn't participate in the same system as we did. So it's kind of a we're over here and you're over there mentality, even though, of course, your opinion is just as valid as theirs is. More on the way. You bring up what? you want this is free talk live free talk live 1-800-259-9231 it's your show call in and take control that's at 1-800-259-9231 and while you're at it Go to amazon.freetalklive.com. Do all your shopping there. They've got dozens of categories and uh, we get a little percentage of 
everything that you might buy at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. That's right, including the used items as well at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Tonight it is super Ian. Saving, super saver shipping, too. Uh, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of items. Tonight it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Uh, as we continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want, if you make them. Uh, guys, do we have uh, more to say on the voting topic? Or we pretty much exhaust that thing. I think we did. I'm, I've said my piece. All right. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. So it, here's an interesting... Up- hmm? I'm just thinking about it. Uh, you know, I, is, as far as being self-righteous for voting is about as pointless as being self-righteous for not voting. There are people on the other side of that coin that uh, think that they're righteous because they haven't voted, and I don't think that there's any righteousness in that. I, I think that voting is, is basically a self-defense measure, and I understand why people do it. Um, I just don't think that statistically it matters a whole lot. You can probably do more by donating 50 bucks to the campaign of some local politician that uh, you believe in. As opposed to voting. Yes. You know, the whole voting discussion is part of the uh, idea of working within the system. The idea that in order to change the system, one must work within the system. I don't necessarily agree that that is true. What do you I, do if the system is broken, if it's a crappy system? Indeed, and that is the system we're dealing with. you vote to change the system? Have you ever tried doing something like that? That's what they're telling us or that we have to do. Or even discussing any sort of new ideas with any bureaucrats at all? It, they don't care. No, they uh, blow you off. As you can hear if you listen to the talkback episodes at freekeen.com, uh, you can hear liberty-minded people calling into a local talk show, which is run by politicos, run by politicians. And you can hear how, uh, in the, I haven't put up this past weekend's episode, but there are several of them on freekeen.com. And the one that's coming up, Sam, who we had on the show last night from obscuredtruth.com, calls in. He is, he is given the chance to ask his question but they, when they respond, they cut him off immediately after he asks his question, so he doesn't have the chance to actually address what it is that they say. So if they dodge the question in their answer, he has no way of actually addressing that dodge later on because they've already hung up on him. So they don't like to hear new ideas. They don't want right. to have their belief system challenged. They're comfortable where they are. They like the system how it is. The system is working for them, and say that, so they would like to keep it that way. And so it's one of the reasons why I want to encourage as many people as possible to participate in calling this local talk show. Uh, Hassling these people. It's not hassling. It's asking legitimate (laughs) questions and expecting answers. And so if you can go to free, you can go to freekeen.com to learn more about how to do that. As far as I'm concerned, it makes us about as much, you know, the politicians complaining about uh, calls from Free State Project uh, members makes as much sense as Bafo the clown crawling into the uh, the dunk t- uh, tank and then complaining that people dunk him in. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, these these politicians get on there and they, they crow about what a great job they're doing for the town. Well, they're the not actually region. complaining. It's the uh, callers, some of the statist callers that complain about oh, it. Oh, the, the politicians hate it. I'm you sure they it. do, but they can't say that on the air because no. they want to be liked by everybody. Nope. So they want to be seen as people that are right. fair. It and makes about as much sense as somebody standing there and saying, you shouldn't be throwing that baseball at Boffo. He's a good man. He's a good man. Look at Boffo yeah, over there. That's a great analogy. Counting your money as you throw baseballs at him. It's, it's not even the best analogy because, well, Boffo didn't steal your money. The yeah. politicians are. And Bafo's more fun. He insults everybody that comes yeah. up. And <laughs> Some of the amazing crap I've heard those guys say at the fair. Oh, they're brilliant. Brilliant. They're just mean. <laughs> brilliant and mean at the same time. And uh. they're so well practiced at it. They they know they have a, just a repertoire of heckles that they can pull out just based on, oh, he's fat, he's tall, he's skinny or whatever. I, and they'll I, just the go, ones that amaze me are what, um, the, 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 the racial ones. Like... <laughs> 
I can't believe that this one guy, I swear, I, I heard him say something like, now, you have to imagine him saying the N-word, because I'm not going to say the N-word. Yeah. And he said, in one a mango? Hey, in <laughs> one a mango? And holy crap, I can't believe he lived through that. Yeah. But he did. All right. So we were talking about working within the system, right? And this is what the politicians encourage. Well, if you want to change it, you need to work within the system. Well, Because what? they know that it's going to take forever and get nothing done, and things will stay as they are if we work within the system. Well, plus, and it legitimizes their system as well. When people work within it, it, it essentially is people saying, yes, this is the appropriate way to affect change in our lives. Now, uh, to be fair to those who are working within the system, and I've, been, I've done it myself, and I will still dabble in it as well, um, because I have seen that at least here in New Hampshire, there's something to it. At least here in New Hampshire, because we have so many great activists here, because we have the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, it's really doing a great job within the political realm. I still still believe that changes can be made within the system, but I still also firmly believe it's the most inefficient, slow, and bureaucratic way to make changes, if you can even successfully make them. I think that there are better ways to do things. However, I'd like to, sh- to share a story here from our former hometown of Sarasota, Florida. You and I, Mark, that's uh, where we're from. That relates not just to Free Talk Live, because it has to do with one of our callers, but also relates to the whole working within the system idea. And I'm talking about... The Lennon Murder Truth Guy. (laughs) He's great. Now, you may recall, if you've listened to the show over the last, oh, month or two, we've had a couple of phone calls, two or three phone calls, maybe more than three, three Mm -hmm. or four, phone calls come in from somebody who was claiming to live in Sarasota, claiming to listen to WFLA, our Tampa radio affiliate, on Saturday nights, and that's how he found the show. And, of course, since Free Talk Live allows anybody to call about anything... He he thought he'd take advantage and to tell people how uh, John Lennon was, in fact, killed by Stephen Stephen King King at the behest of Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon. And if you look through a bunch of old-time magazines and you highlight certain phrases in the titles, uh, you can actually get the admission of this That's how he found it out. That's how he was able to discover that this was the case, was by looking through old magazines and and looking at the titles. And um, then he rambled off some of the things that he found and how he pieced it together. So the pieces weren't even coherent sentences. Uh, I, I, like, I have no idea what he was saying. Right, and he believes uh, firmly that Stephen King killed John Lennon. He has a website that is dedicated to it, and he's really sure to plug it every time he calls And he show. says it's the number one Lennon uh, murder site in the world. I believe, I, I believe him. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but... So he's called this show a number of times, then all of a sudden he shows up in the news. In fact, uh, the story made Fark.com, from my understanding. <laughs> and so it, that means it, it broke big. And yeah. there's, there's actually video footage of this guy. His name is Stephen Lightfoot, Steve Lightfoot. And he apparently he's originally from California. He comes into the Sarasota City Commission meeting on Tuesday of this week. Mm-hmm. Now, he's trying to use the system here. He's got something that is an issue that he believes is important. That is that he wants to expose that uh, Stephen King uh, allegedly killed John Lennon. And so he's trying to use the system uh, to get this message out there and to to alert the city council that uh, there is a man within that, that comes and shops within the city of Sarasota because Stephen King has a house down in Casey Key, which is very close to the city of Sarasota. So he's gone into the city to alert them of this, and he's trying to use the system. And what did they they do well they threw him out of their commission meeting 
So here's a story from uh, MySuncoast.com, my ABC7. Some excitement at the Sarasota City Commission meeting Tuesday when a California man spoke out about who he thinks really killed John Lennon. During public now, comment... How to be, hold on. How, this is, it's interesting how they've used the... Um, you know, they've managed to alienate the guy by saying he's a California man. He yes. is a resident in of Sarasota. Correct. So why in the world are they calling him a California man? Maybe because it makes him sound crazier? It, no, it makes him sound... Uh, like an outsider. Yeah, he's an outsider. What the hell is this Some California guy, guy coming here? here and... That's how I see it, at least. Right. Now, this is a public comment phase in the city council meeting in which, and this is kind of common among city council meetings across the country, is there will be this public comment phase wherein you can have three minutes and you, can, you get to talk to the city council. And so that's what and they he, get to ignore you. Right. That's what he decided to do. He uh, had signs and he took a seat in front of the commissioner saying he wanted to expose the truth Then went on to allege that part time Casey Key resident and author Stephen King was indeed the person that killed John Lennon. He said the following. I'm from California. I'm known by 10 percent of Florida. I'm known by 50 percent of California. They're pretty big claims. He says, I am the man exposing the truth about John Lennon's murder. Stephen King, Casey Key resident, shot John Lennon. He's not suing me. My van says it all over the place. Said that Stephen King is the worst criminal the state of Florida has ever harbored. Sarasota Mayor Lou Ann Palmer told the man that comments at the meeting must be reserved for city business, saying the case doesn't reserve, or this doesn't res- relate to the city of Sarasota. Because Casey Key is under Sarasota County jurisdiction, the mayor then summoned police chief Peter Abbott, who escorted the man and his signs peacefully out of the chamber to the sound of chuckles from people attending the meeting. The entire three-minute exchange can be watched at mysuncoast.com. So there you go. What is this man supposed to do? He's trying to get remedy. He's trying to use the system. He's trying to speak out against a perceived injustice, and they just ignore him and laugh at him. What is Lou Ann Palmer supposed to do? She's supposed to sit there for another two minutes and listen as he yammers on. But they didn't even give him his full three minutes. <laughs> it would have mattered. Hour number three is coming up. Hey, I'm just saying, he tried to use the system and look what happened to him, escorted from the room. And if he'd resisted, they would have hurt that oh, man. Oh, yeah, they mushed him. Hour three is on the way. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Coming up, Generation Sex. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we continue here and take your calls if you make them, otherwise we talk about things interesting to us. Julia, you brought something in tonight that you wanted to discuss. Generation Sex? Yes. The name of the article is How the Faceless and Amoral World of Cyberspace Has Created a Deeply Disturbing Generation Sex. And where is this from? I don't, I don't know. Okay. Sounds like a uh, very, uh, sounds like they're trying to stir the pot. It's an opinion, it's an opinion piece, Mail Online, Daily Mail, so it's UK. Mm -hmm. Um, And first of all, I, what caught my eye about this was the the name of the title, how the faceless and amoral world of cyberspace, so is that to say that all aspects of 
cyberspace are immoral, amoral? Amoral, it would be absent of morals without morals. So I suppose it's true that the Internet is, is not necessarily moral or immoral. Um, when it has the Bible printed on it, because I know that you, you know lots of Christians have gone done lots of stuff on the internet. I, if you type in some you know search some you know uh, little bit of a verse, you'll find it. They so, somebody out there has made it's it true. pretty clear. So I don't know. Sounds sounds like they're trying to uh, you know paint the internet uh, with a pretty broad brush. So this is written. It's an opinion piece written by a mother. She says, these days, everything has changed, and the truths that children tell... Oh, my gosh. You mean things change? (laughs) And the truths that children tell make one gasp and stretch one's eyes. A couple years ago, my daughter, Francesca, then aged 13, told me about a party she had been to one Saturday night. In the course of the evening, she came upon one of her friends also age 13, performing oral sex on a boy in the garden. The boy was standing and videotaping the event on his mobile phone. Uh-oh. My that daughter... That a child pornographer. That, you're right. Maybe not in the UK. Or maybe. Good point. I don't know. My daughter, in whom the feisty gene has always found strong expression, pulled her friend off the boy, knocked the phone out of his hand, and slapped him round the face. Now, that right there tells me that the daughter's exaggerating. What do you mean? I just have a really difficult time believing that any like that really went on. That well, whole, I mean, you don't know her daughter. That's true, but I still don't believe it. She could be a real holy roller, and she could uh, absolutely have stepped in. She doesn't look like, like a that. holy roller in this picture. Really? Okay. And she's going to parties where guys are getting oral in the garden. Good so. point. Good point. Anyway, um, I can remember being a teenager, and I remember sort of... I don't know if it's a mother-daughter relationship thing, but if I was feeling brave enough to sort of, you know, tell my mom some of the things that I may have done in the past, mm-hmm. I would exaggerate and try to make myself seem like more of a, a badass maybe than I than I really was. And it was just sort of this, like, look, I'm old enough and mature enough to handle situations like this. I've seen things you don't even know I've seen. I certainly trust your assessment of what a young teen girl would do rather than mine, so certainly wow. Either way, I don't think that I think that something maybe like that might have happened, but that she's definitely exaggerating. But I could be wrong. Maybe that sort of thing. If they'd show us the video evidence, we'd know for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she knocked the phone out of his hand. Then we'd all be criminals because she's 13. That, you know, that just just for just for looking, we'd all be criminals. Well, I don't know whether she did or didn't, and I, I agree with Julia's assessment that likely there's some exaggeration going on here. I, I don't know that it's the most important part of the story, but uh, I did have a situation in uh, prison where a friend of mine was back uh, somewhere in some in some offices with a uh, prison homosexual, and I, um, you know, on the weekend when he wasn't, he was sort of had uh, ability to go in these offices where no mm-hmm. one else would, and I, you know, found out from my friends that he was back there with that guy, and I said. Hey, get out of there! I'll call your sister. And that got him out relatively quickly. Okay, yeah. so we're talking about two prisoners, not a prisoner and a guard. That's correct. Okay. My daughter. Oh, sorry, wrong paragraph. Um, I apologize for shocking you, but then there are a number of things shocking about this event: the casual nature in which such an intimate act is performed in public, the young age of the participants, and last but by no means least, the fact that it is being filmed. Now. I'm not uh, the public thing. That's definitely not my cup of tea. Um, I was You're certainly not an exhibitionist. Yeah, I'm definitely not. But I was certainly more willing to do stupid stuff like that when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and it was really just an attention issue. 
Right. Uh, like teenagers just really like to get attention. I know everybody likes attention, but I I feel like I was I craved it more. Teen girls are sort of known for being a little attention starved. Right. Well, teen boys aren't going to get the attention in the same way. How's that? That's true. So, what's next? Sorry, I keep losing my place. I'm having my eyes are strange. My contacts okay. are kind of weirding me out. Sorry. Um, the young age of their participants. Now, I'm not really so sure that 13 is that young to be giving blowjobs. You like it's too young or not? Not too I, young. I don't. I feel like I gave a blowjob when I was 13 or 14. Well, anything that happened before I had a chance to have it happen is too young, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Maybe that's where her mom is coming from. Maybe because mom wasn't involved in such things at that age that she's taking offense to it. I, just, I don't know. I feel like there was always. Some people start getting late at 12. Some start at 13. Some start at 14. Some 15, 16. Some people 22. don't get laid till they were 22. Yeah. Right. I had sex for the first time when I was 15. So I feel like the age just varies for a lot of different people and that 13 isn't necessarily too young. But wouldn't you say that, I mean, this is behavior that could get a 13-year-old girl into some pretty dangerous circumstances? I mean, could involve uh, oral herpes. It could involve taking more steps to uh, toward intercourse, which could result in more STDs and unwanted pregnancy. I mean, is it is it too bad? To, is it a bad thing to say that she shouldn't be involved in such things? Well, I... You know, we don't know the circumstances of the situation. Maybe she knew he was clean. Maybe I mean, I'd say that that's pretty unlikely. unlikely. I agree. Pretty unlikely. But I don't feel like you can just make a blind statement like that, like you're too young. Because I think that the age where people decide to start doing sexual acts is up to you completely and your experiences and based on, you know, how you feel on the matter. And, I, and, and a, a great deal on how they're raised. Um that's you know that that's just the long and the short of it. it. It comes down to it. I had a girlfriend in high school who wasn't religious who was going to wait till she got married. Hmm. Wow, that's a poor choice. Well, I don't know. I don't know whether she did or didn't. I can tell you that by the time she was nineteen or twenty, she hadn't. Wow, that's strange. I just don't feel like I don't know. I started doing stuff with like I started fooling around and that sort of thing when I was very young. I guess to some people, but. I I don't know. I feel like nowadays I'm a lot more mature than most of the people that are my age. So well, causation did I, is not necessarily. I understand what you're coming where you're coming from, but but age to me is simply a number, and it means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, and. It seems very motherly for someone to just say, you're too young for that. Right, I agree. I mean, for a mom to say that, well, it was moral when I did it at 18, but it's immoral for my daughter to do it at age 13 is just a mom drawing an arbitrary line. Whatever she's basing that on, it seems irrelevant uh, to me. It's just that she's saying that, well, she she feels good about what she did, but she doesn't want her daughter to do the same thing two years earlier or five years earlier because there's something inherently wrong with that. Is that kind of what she's getting at that there that her daughter is is being or this other girl i guess this wasn't her daughter it was the other girl uh so the other girl was being immoral for behaving in that particular way that's what she's getting at right I mean, she, she's getting at that and i you know there's there's all this um i think it's a more complicated issue with the girls than it is with boys uh boys have uh you know girls have sex when they are ready boys have sex when the girl's ready um so you don't 
you know, you'd get, you've got a much more, uh, you know, people have a lot more judgment paced, placed on uh, women and young ladies than they do. It's not with, fair. With men. And, you know, because essentially, for some reason, societally, they've been given the keys to the sex machine. Well, I believe it's because you're the one that's going to bear the child. So, I mean, it kind of makes a little sense in that way. Well, the men that- gave them the keys by wanting the sex so bad. I mean, if the guys didn't want the sex so badly, then the women well, wouldn't have as much women- control want sex too sure they do but um, if the guy wants sex more then the woman can use the guy's uh, desire for sex in order to, to extract which... gifts or good treatment or whatever it is that she's looking for and that's fine i mean the guy inherently knows this right he's willing to jump through whatever hoops she puts up for him in order to get access to sex 800-259-9231. How do you feel about the idea that young people engaging in sex is immoral? Do you agree that there's something immoral about it? I'd like to address the morality of the issue coming up here in moments and would love your thoughts at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, serious issues to fun stuff. you find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI, the biggest sponsor of the show, uh, they do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to, you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. I would encourage you, if you have a business or know somebody who does, to uh, make an attempt to support SACL CAI because they do such a good job of supporting Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, continuing with the story out of the was it the Guardian, Julia? Daily Mail. Daily, Daily Mail in the UK, uh, written by a mother, an angry mother, a mother who's very upset with the internet. Uh, she calls it amoral, which is actually an appropriate uh, term for the internet. Amoral is meaning uh, without. The definition is not involving questions of right or wrong. So the Internet itself is neither right nor wrong. It has various different content. It's which, just a series of tubes. Right. You get to decide for yourself. Uh, but she's complaining here because it's apparently spurring kids in her viewpoint to be more sexual. We've barely even gotten uh, to begin this discussion here. So let's dig in a little further and then talk about the issue of whether or not uh, teenagers being involved in sexual things is inherently immoral. Okay. She writes... That week at school, when conducting a post-mortem of their weekend, as teenagers do and have always done, the girls at her then school, she's since then moved, a private girls' school in London explained, Hooray! We're now sluttier than slutney! An affectionate nickname of another school. So apparently... um, So they're in a a competition to see who can be the sluttiest? sluttiest? Now... I wonder how much of that is is true and how much of that is is sort of a joke thing because whenever I I don't know there are rare occasions where I will put on like a skirt and some some uh like thigh highs or something like that for a sort of a a costume thing a party uh-huh right and 
I always joke about looking like a skank or dressing like a slut. And it's just, a, I mean, it's just funny to me because I don't normally dress that way. And I don't really think I'm a it, slut. And I'm some, not really calling myself a slut. No. Some women in my, my generation and younger will refer to each other as hoes or uh, sluts and things like that. And in almost an affectionate way. I mean, I don't know how to, uh, it's isn't not it really possible? affectionate, but it's kind of I see where you guys friendly, are coming from. But isn't it possible you're both playing this down that neither of you want to admit that this next younger generation is indeed more sexually uh, interested than the, the the ones that have come before. Isn't it possible that these girls really are attempting to out-slut the other girls at the other school? It's possible. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, as though there's some sort of prize out there for who can be the sluttiest. Uh, they get getting, bragging rights or I'm not whatever. getting chased down the street by hordes of 13-year-olds, so I cannot give an opinion. <laughs> Uh, nor am I. Uh, right, I mean, it's just not happening. Uh, but to I'm me. just saying, I, I'm going to take her at her word on this, and that these young girls are really uh, attempting to outslut one another. Let's continue. That year, they were all dressing in Hooters T-shirts, the uniform of the well-endowed waitresses of a U.S. restaurant chains, whose slogan is "delightfully tacky yet unrefined," sums it up its approach and butt-skimming shorts. So. I guess wearing like short shorts. I mean, that's Revealing been around stuff. for a really long time. I don't feel like that's anything that's new or right. This is kind of the same old story repeated over and over again. The same old story being that the parents or the, the generation of older folks is less than pleased with what the younger generation is doing with itself, whether it's, you know, having too much sex or wearing the wrong clothes or not being moral in the same way that they're moral. It's sort of this. Don't forget the rock and roll. The rock and roll or the, whatever. Every the single rap. generation hates the younger generations, what they do. And it's gone on forever and ever and ever. Right. I mean, uh, people who like jazz music, right? When when they grew up and had kids, they couldn't stand that their kids liked rock and roll music. But jazz was offensive to the parents of, of uh, that uh, time. Exactly. Uh, they were, you know, they were smoking marijuana and dancing with black guys and, and all. So I feel like this is the same case over and over like you said where sure. parents just hate what they see other kids doing it is the same case and it all stems i think at least in this country and perhaps in the uk from a very puritanical past uh where sexual concepts and ideas and discussions were repressed you weren't supposed to to discuss these things uh, publicly you were not supposed to show a little bit of leg uh, in the same way that now showing all of your legs is a ba very bad thing i mean the taboos have certainly been removed over time to some extent B bikinis for instance are much more revealing today than they used to be in the past however it doesn't stop the mothers from being upset at their daughters from uh, engaging in these behaviors that are becoming more and more common and attempting to cling on to their old value set and attempting to force them on to the younger generation. And I think that's where some of the resentment comes from. I think that's where some of the acting out comes from in that, you know, this is bad. We're not supposed to do this. So therefore, it's kind of the old forbidden fruit effect. It's bad to behave in this way. And uh, it's, uh, it's also at the same time very sexy because it's bad to be wearing these clothes because mom says there's something wrong with it. Am I making sense? 
Yeah. Well, I think to some extent they want to emulate the people that they respect. And, uh, you know, pushing the sexuality envelope is one of the ways that you get to be, you know, rich, famous, popular, whatever it is out there. So that's a factor. That's, it's, it's a, definitely a factor. I mean, look at Madonna. I, you know, she might be the mother of uh, teenagers at this point. But at one point, you know, she she sold sex a big time. And Britney Spears seems to understand that. Oh, sex sells. Absolutely. Um, and and the 13-year-old girl understands that, too. Yes. When one considers our society, it's no surprise that our children have lost all sense of modesty, which I don't necessarily agree with that, all sense of modesty. I mean, they're not walking around naked. naked right. And nudity doesn't necessarily equal sex or, or sexy. It's They're sort of tied in together a lot nowadays or have been for a while maybe what's but the value in modesty anyway isn't it sort of just a perception by these people that there's some sort of value to wearing clothes and being so-called modest i would think that if everybody were to walk around naked for a couple weeks i mean presuming the weather was appropriate that that would kind of end all of this you know would end this whole conflict like okay now everyone's naked we've seen it now we've seen it well, and we can move on i with do our think lives. that clothes make uh, you know, clothes make a big impression on people. They're an, they're an important part of making an impression. Um, I can tell you that when, you know, when I take Jack places and you know show him off, that I I comb his hair, and I there's certain little outfits that I like better than other ones. So he's got one in particular that's a little cardigan with, that he wears, and I, you know, I know that clothes affect the way that people think about you. You know, all things considered, I I know that when I worked, uh, you know, that I got more attention from women um, by wearing uh, ox, fre- pressed Oxford uh, shirts and, uh, you know, pants with a crease in them than I did by wearing a T-shirt and uh, some, you know, work pants. I certainly would have to wear both of them in the course of a week, so I would know what would get attention and what wouldn't. So clothes matter, and what so therefore what people uh, think about you matters. Those things are you know they're important, but I don't know that you know what the next generation thinks about this generation. You know, eight hundred kind of. Weird. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on this, uh, the, the whole issue of teenagers, sexuality, modesty, clothing, whatever you want to comment on, 800-259-9231. Peter Schiff on the economy. We're broke. This is not just a financial crisis. This is an economic collapse. The government is trying to interfere with the free market. All the government can do is create inflation. The government doesn't have any money. They're going to print it. doesn't matter if you get your money out of the bank, but then you take it to the grocery store and you can't buy anything. We're going to die from the cure, not the disease. The change that we need is less government. It's less interference. We're just going to get more of the same, only worse. Shiftbomb.com, February 21st. Paid for by PEAC PAC. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download right there on the front page of the website going back for an entire year for free. At freetalklive.com, I want to invite you to the Free State Project Liberty Forum. You can get more information about it at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Get signed up while you still can, while there are still tickets available. It may be a uh, a sellout. You can get a 10% discount by using our discount code, which is 2009FTL2009. FTL, lots of speakers, lots of fun. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we continue discussing the teen sexual issue here, there's a a mom who has written an, an editorial 
in a UK newspaper. And she is talking about how the Internet is apparently the cause of all of this generation's, this upcoming generation's problems when it comes to sex. Because, well, porn is easier to access than ever before, and so they're seeing more of this, and this is resulting in them taking their clothes off and being sluttier, and that, uh, of course, all of this is very, very bad. It's the dirty dancing where they're writhing up against each other. and, and uh, That's what it was in the 80s. Copulating, well, that, that was that's what, still going on. Honestly, what it was in the 50s. I mean, that's what it was in the 30s with swing. You know, the fact is that this same argument has been going on by, you know, but people with she's trying to make the case that it's worse though hidden away she's trying to make the case that now it's worse than it has ever been that now this generation is the most uh the, the without the le- or with the least morals than any generation that has uh, has come previously i don't know that it's necessarily um you know scientific studies she's done i've heard that uh, this generation is actually less likely to engage in uh, actual sexual intercourse earlier or something like that i've seen something written like that on the internet I don't know what to believe, and honestly, it doesn't matter to me that much. I mean, it's completely outside of... It's like octogenarian sex. I don't care. I personally don't see what is immoral about teenagers engaging in what is something that comes completely naturally. I mean, when you reach a certain age, uh, puberty, you start to uh, have thoughts about sexual things, and you start to be curious about it. And so exploring those areas is a completely natural thing. It is only those who, uh, so those uppity individuals, those stuck-up puritanical individuals who have applied the idea that there's something immoral to what is a completely natural natural behavior. I'm not saying that kids should go out there and have sex all willy-nilly without being safe, but I am saying I do believe it's a natural process and therefore there's nothing inherently immoral or moral about it. I think you get to make your own judgments. My biggest problem with this is it's not immoral to have sex when you're 13. What's really sad is that most parents haven't taken the time to go into any sort of detail about sex education in general. So the kids that are having sex at age 13, they don't really know what they're doing. And that's dangerous. And yeah, I, I think that that's sort of what parents automatically say, well, sex is dangerous. You could get STDs. You could get pregnant. Well, maybe if you had been talking to your kid about these sorts of things, you know, didn't start doing it at age 14, maybe you started a little younger, like when they were old enough to ask the questions about sex in the first place. Mm-hmm. They would know what they were doing, and they. I, I mean, I know now that I'm a lot safer, and since you know I'm probably age 18 or so, I'm a lot safer with sex than I was when I was 13, 14, 15. And it's just because I didn't know any better, and I'm really lucky that I didn't get pregnant or didn't get any diseases because I didn't no know what I was to doing. Your mom. No, no thanks to no your parents. No thanks to my parents at all. Well, I I do think that uh, open lines of communication and parents being there as a resource for their teenagers is is something that's going to work, um, and I'm for that. However, you know, it, you get into this gray area as to I don't think personally that 13 year olds should be having sex. That's not that's my opinion. I don't think there's much you can do about it. And there's not there's not much I can do about it. But you know, you you sort of you know you go down this spiraling path of you know where where does one get involved? Where does one say, well, this is just not acceptable behavior. Um, I mean, if a 13-year-old can have to make a decision to have a, have sex with a thir- another 13-year-old, and by the looks of it, they can. Can a 13-year-old um, make a decision to have sex with a 37-year-old? Um, can a 
can an eight-year-old make that same decision? You know, so you go down the list because at some point you're talking about. Can an eight-year-old get an erection? Yes. I can tell you that any, <laughs> any little boy can get an erection. Jack gets, you know, I mean, it, it happens. They get them. <laughs> really? Yes. I didn't realize it happened that young. You know, just happens. Uh, little boys, and that's what's supposed to work. That's the whole, that's the reason for the universe, man. Well, well what's your answer, Julia, to Mark's question? I mean, I've answered it a million times on this show. <sighs> Should a 13-year-old be able to make the decision to have sex with a 37-year-old? Um. That's a really hard one. I'm of the opinion that um, there really shouldn't be an age of an adulthood. I think that the way it should be is that children are essentially property because their parents take care of them until they are old enough to move out and live on their own. And I think that that age is really, really later than it should be because of a lot of factors, including government schools. Um so currently, when I think about 13-year-olds having sex with 37-year-olds, it sounds awful and gross and wrong. It does. But, I mean, there has to be some 13-year-old out there who's... And if you think about it... Sorry, I'm sort of thinking out loud okay. here right now. Um, I want to say hundreds of years ago or maybe even a 100 years ago or decades ago. I mean... It wouldn't have been it, that yeah, unusual. It to, wouldn't have been that unusual. A 13-year-old girl to likely be married off. To, to be a, married off, a 30, exactly. A 37-year-old man, um, you know, just either probably somebody who's a little better off. That um, would just be a guess. It, it's not that terribly unusual in that respect. I, you know, and, and from that standpoint... I don't have as big of a problem with that. If a 13-year-old girl and their and her parents say, yes, you can marry that 37-year-old man, I don't have a problem with that because then you're talking about everybody who's involved being, uh, you know, above board and uh, okay, okay. I don't, fortunately, I don't think that that many 13-year-olds have sex with 37-year-old men, and I guess I do believe that people... Uh, Yes, I think that a 13-year-old should be able to make that decision. I don't think it's that common, fortunately. I don't think that there are too many 37-year-olds out there who want anything to do with a 13-year-old. Oh, they um, want something to do with them. They probably just don't 13? want to have 13? I feel like 13 is a 13 little young for most people. 13 seems young to people. me, but I, you know, I mean, some, some, like some guys 16? like that, that waifish thing, I don't know. I mean, let's go to your phone calls and talk to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live. Your thoughts? Hey, guys, if anyone ever calls your girlfriend a whore, I'll kick their ass. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jeremy. I'm, I'm glad you're out there backing me up. Is that all hey, you have? And kids will have sex just like us guys in their mid-30s. We'll have sex. And what am I, a whore? I'm not a whore. Maybe they're a whore. Maybe they're the ones that just wish they could have as much sex as I do. And I'll hang up. Thank you, Jeremy. As always, Sweet. appreciate it. Let's talk to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Frank, Good evening. It's on your mind. Yeah, this is a very uh, touchy topic. So sure. what I thought I'd do is just raise the point that one of the great failures of the United States is that there isn't a standard or a national uniform age of consent. And that would actually, you know, end... The problems, you know, concerning this issue. I don't think but, it would end anything. It would just create more problems. I mean, what having an do age you of think the age of consent should be? Well, I think in the United States it varies from from fourteen or fifteen to eighteen. What do you think it should be, though? If you could pick the age of consent, the national 
Well, age I know of in Europe. I know in Europe it's it's uh, I believe fifteen years old, uh, fifteen to sixteen. Now, is this new? Is it is it new that there is an age of consent in Europe? Because it used to be that uh, the, it ranged from thirteen to sixteen. And in, in Canada, yeah, with 14. the EU, with the common market in the uh, uh, European Union, uh, that's one thing that's been sort of uh, standardized. But it would vary from country to country. And if we look back does. historically. Uh, when the average life expectancy was maybe, you know, up to age 42, it wasn't uncommon for people to be married at 15 or 16, especially in Europe. And if we read the literature of, let's say, the Renaissance and the medieval period, so, Frank, people would you were say married 15, at 14. 16 would be okay for the United States? Pardon me? Would you say 16 would be uh, all right for the United States? You know what? I'm going to play it safe and say 18. Oh, come because on. I want to come back and talk to you more about this uh, with Frank in moments. It's Free okay. Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on sex or whatever you want to talk about. 800-259-9231. The number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all of the features we give to you free. Now, if you are enjoying the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote Free Talk Live at promote.freetalklive.com. Whole list of things that you can do, including putting a bumper sticker on the back of your vehicle. Got an, uh, an envelope in a self-addressed stamped, stamped envelope today from a truck driver, which is really the ideal kind of person to be sporting the Free Talk Live bumper sticker. What was his name? Bill. I believe Bill. Uh, any, yes, I think so. Anyway, if you send a self-addressed stamped envelope into Free Talk Live, we'll send you back a Free Talk Live bumper sticker. And you can put that on your vehicle, ideally. I mean, obviously, we can't tell you where to put it. You'll put it wherever you want, but certainly the vehicle would be the, the best place for us. Uh, so you can get all the details on that. I believe that's at promote.freetalklive.com. If it's not listed there, you can get the address from the front page of the website. Just scroll down a bit. You'll find it. I think high schoolers uh, putting them on their backpacks probably a good thing. That probably makes other high schoolers ask questions. It's not a bad idea. I don't know how well it would work on a backpack, though, because it's a full-size 3-inch by 11-inch bumper sticker. A binder. Recite- binder would work. Resourceful folks, those high schoolers. They can figure it out. Sure, sure. Let's continue here. Frank is on the line. Frank, you were telling us, uh, as you have said in the past, that you believe the age of consent should be 18 years old. Julia, your now, response... there's a reason for that. Yes, sir. Because, in a sense, every state in the United States has a definition of what is statutory rape under the state laws. So, in, let's say in one state, let's say hypothetically in Tennessee or Arkansas in the 1950s, the age of consent for a boy or a girl was different. Now, I'm using the term boy and a girl because if I say man and a woman, uh, you know, that involves something else. But the age... Uh, Are so you saying a 17-year-old would be a girl and a boy, and that once you turn 18, you're a man and a woman? That's correct, under the eyes of the law. So what's interesting about it is we have sort of like almost, I don't want to say double jeopardy, but we have a situation whereby... You can have an age of consent below 18 in the state, but the statutory rape laws in the state will say anyone under the age of 18, uh, whatever, falls under the statutory rape thing. So it gets to be a, a conundrum uh, with most states. And I think we should have it just as we have the uh, age to vote is standard in this country. It's 18 in all the states. It's not 18 in Pennsylvania and 21 in Hawaii. So in a sense, we should have an age of consent 
that's standard, you know, that's standardized for all 50 states. That would legally get us out of this dilemma. But I think it should be a moral issue uh, decided by the individuals and their families. Some states... Hold on a second. Wait, marry... you think it should... Wait, I'm confused. You're saying it should be a moral issue, but on the other hand, you're saying there should be a national age of consent? Right, only because of the judicial or the legal... Why not just get rid of statutory rape laws? Right. The statutory rape laws define statutory rape as anything under the age of 18. You didn't answer her question. By and large. Go ahead. Oh, I said, why not just get rid of statutory rape laws? I mean, if you don't agree with the way that the system's set up, why would you propose more laws instead of just getting rid of the law that's stupid in the first place? Because, like if, in a sense, we never get rid of any laws in the United States. I, we just I get add that. them on to the legal But code. we're talking about an ideal situation here, and yeah. Julia's saying if you want to achieve an ideal, why not get rid of the laws? I mean, we're talking about a, a fantasy land where you can have what you want. Right. No, I do, I do see her point, and she makes tremendous sense. But if you read even the feminist literature of the 1960s and early 70s, you'll see that, uh, you know, it was socially acceptable for women under the age of 18 but in high school or going into university or college to have sex but it's interesting the people of that generation that had a very liberal attitude in the 60s it seems when they became parents they became very shocked they wanted to repress i guess the freedoms they had with their children and i find it kind of humorous i'm actually in my early 50s so you know i went to school with a lot of uh, a lot of men and women now that were, you know, classmates in the 1960s and early mm-hmm. 70s, and the attitudes were very different. And, you know, it's kind of uh, sad that at this day and age, you know, that uh, there isn't a standardization that would allow for all of this stuff to, uh, in a sense, disappear. Uh, because ultimately, we mature earlier now. Our physiological system, our diets, uh, you know, make us, in a sense, at least sexually more mature now, by and large. Puberty comes earlier than it did 20 or 50 years ago, or 100 years ago. Especially 100 years ago, yeah. Yeah, but the if food's you look at better. the codes uh, in many of the states, uh, minors could marry with the consent of their parents. In yeah. areas like Ar- states of Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, a girl could marry at 14 with the consent of her parents 60 or 80 years ago. And... Uh, and, now and that's it's true probably even in the under East the age of 18 with the consent of the parents, probably 16 to 17. But the point is, in those states, even with the age of consent, the overarching law that seems to supersede that is the statutory rape law. And, you know, again, it's uh, sadly, these cases are often brought out, you know, for other issues. Uh, and ultimately, when people are going to be, sex should be a very personal matter. And when people are mature physically, you know, they should be emotionally mature as well. I agree, but, and, and if we had a more, I think, advanced society, thank you for the call tonight, France, uh, Frank, rather, if we had a more advanced society, then we would have that earlier maturity, and it goes back to what Julia had mentioned earlier, the idea that these government schools and sort of the system that we have where kids, uh, young people cannot work until they're age 16 or 14, and they're just not able to become the adults that they might want to become because the system essentially keeps them as childlike as possible. I think we could have a level, we could have a society 
where young people are much more mature mentally than they are today at younger ages. So I think Frank is right. They may be maturing physically at a faster rate. They could be maturing mentally at a earlier time as well, but we're, as a society, restricting that maturity. Yeah, my problem with, I mean, age of consented at 18, that, that kind of scares me. I was, I had been in a serious relationship for two years when I was 18 years old. And I. Involving sex? Involving sex. And I learned more about healthy sexual relationships, you know, in that relationship than I did in any of my stupid little one night stands or whatever that I did with a teenager. I, I mean, if I had been forced to wait till I was 18, would that have been good for me? I don't see how. Well, there would be no way that you'd have been forced to wait until right. you were 18. I would have done it anyway, just like I it. did. And had you gotten caught, then you would have. Then my life what you would, have would faced. be yeah. ruined because I would be. I mean, statutory rape. That's... Oh, your life would have been fine. It's his life that would have been ruined. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true, though. He was your age, wasn't he? Not, yes. Was he not? It doesn't really matter. I I believe it depends on the state, but can't. I mean, if basically if you cry enough to your parents and you can get your parents to take that case to court, a statutory rape case to court, I mean, the girl pretty much always has the upper hand regardless of age. And I didn't want to have yep. sex. He forced me to. So <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to share from this angry mother in this article from the U.K.? This lady who is very upset at young people and the access to information they may have about um, sex. Well, basically what she she claims here sort of in the later part of the article is that um, social networking sites like Facebook and MySpace encourage teens to share information about themselves. And They're really just meat markets of the Internet superhighway. Mm-hmm. And that um, supermodels are now girls' role models. But I feel like they always were. I don't feel like that's anything new. But she's claiming that because Britney Spears is now your role model as a 13-year-old girl, that you're going to be sluttier and that the Internet has allowed all of this to happen. And, I mean, the Internet certainly is a really open place, and you can find just about anything on the Internet that absolutely is true. But, I mean, when I was a 13-year-old girl, I... Learn to dress slutty from Cosmopolitan magazines. So yeah, Cos- <laughs> Cosmo's some uh, trashy stuff. I, uh, you know, I having dated women all along. I've you know liked Cosmo. It always had some great <laughs> sex article. I would read Cosmo. I haven't read it in years. They write the same thing every single it's month. Fine, it's good enough for me. I don't care. Right, but I, I mean, I just I feel like it's just a different medium for this stuff. Now. I understand where she's a coming from. A more accessible from. medium with more information, some of, it, some of which will be inaccurate, but some of it will be far more accurate because you simply have a, a larger volume from which to select. So you can get better information now and faster. You can probably get a lot more sex education information nowadays than you could 10 years ago. If you didn't talk to your parents about it, I guess you could talk to teachers who probably wouldn't address the issue, maybe a school counselor otherwise it's your friends the fact is uh teenagers and sex is a reality as it has always been the internet is a reality it's not going away anytime soon so parents that have a problem with this they should monitor their kids and i mean there are all kinds of free market solutions out there better than monitoring their kids they should actually have that sit down conversation and be more open with their children and actually talk about these issues because if you try to turn it off if you try to shut them out from the internet and if you try to shut them off from information about sex they're going to find out somehow and it'll probably be in a much more dangerous manner than you would otherwise experience It's been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 